that the body of Christ was facing. When Paul addressed the church in Ephesus. And not only did he address the church in Ephesus in that manner, grace and peace to you, but in each and every one of his epistles, that's how he started it out. Grace and peace to you. Again, it had nothing to do with circumstances, but it had everything to do with a believer's relationship with God. And the good news, the great news, the wonderful news, is that they could have peace with God, the peace of God, and it's God's grace that was being extended to all who believe. Remember, it was during this time that Paul had told the church in Ephesus that the days are evil. The days are evil. But he still starts out with grace and peace. And as we face perilous times, as our days are evil, the good news, the salutation is grace and peace to you, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the world's condition, regardless of the turmoil, regardless of the vortex that's swirling all around us and and all the different things that are happening. God extends his offer of salvation. He extends grace and peace to you, church, the body of Christ. What a marvelous truth that I think needs emphasizing today. Grace and peace to you. Not grace and peace from kings and presidents, not grace and peace from emperors and magistrates or rulers, but grace and peace from the ones who really do count. From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. God's graciousness is extended to us. So undeserved. There's not a person here that can say, nope, 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 I, I deserve God's grace. Not a single person here or any place in the world that could say, I deserve God's grace. God's grace has been defined as um, undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. Something that you do not deserve. Unmerited favor. Undeserved. Someone once came up with a little saying that grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. What a marvelous God we serve. His grace extended and His peace regardless of what's going on in our lives, and I happen to know that there's a lot going on in a bunch of your lives, but you'd never know it because of that peace that passes all understanding. See, there's two types of peace that we get from our living God. There is the peace of God, and that's important. To, as a believer, we have the promise that regardless of what's going on, regardless of our needs, We can take those prayers, those supplications, we can bring them to the the throne of, of God. And what He, with prayer and with thanksgiving, bring those supplications to Him. 
And Philippians 4 tells us that what God does is provides us, He gives us that peace that passes all understanding. See, the world don't understand it. The world doesn't understand. How can you remain so calm during such troubling times? It's because we know God's on His throne. We know the tomb is empty. We know He's in control. We can trust Him through anything and everything. That's the peace of God that you get because you're a believer. You are in Christ. You have that relationship with Him. So you have that peace of God that passes all understanding. But let me tell you, it is the peace with God that I'm most thankful for. That peace that we have with God. And it's especially meaningful when you consider the consequences of being an enemy of God. Right? We have peace with God. No longer enemies. Let me remind you of three scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing the terror of the Lord. Yes, God is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. He is a forgiving God. But lost in dying world, let me send you a warning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yes, God loves you. Yes, He's offering salvation to all who believe by grace through faith today. Revelation 20, verse 15 is the third scripture I want to remind you of why it's not a good thing to be an enemy with God. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell is real. People are there this very moment suffering the consequences of their rejection of Christ Jesus. You realize, I hope you realize, that there is not a single individual in hell this moment or who will be in hell that are there because God rejected them. Realize that, right? It's because they rejected God's offer of salvation by believing that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again. God rejects no one. Matter of fact, one of these days I'm going to, I'm going to come up, write a sermon, present a sermon that talks about the two whosoevers. This one, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The other one is whosoever will may come. What a contrast. What a contrast. God's invitation is whosoever will. God's will is that none perish. God's not willing that any should perish. It's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But lost man continues to reject, to deny that love of God, that salvation that He offers. Oh, the grace of God. How measureless. Ephesians 2. 
Turn with me to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Only a loving God. Only a gracious God. Only one who cares so much about you would move on Paul's heart to pen those words. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Not by works. Titus 3.5 tells us that it's not by works of righteousness that we're saved, but by His mercy. See, it's not even good works that you do. And, and it's critical that we understand that. It's not by works of righteousness. Ephesians 2 tells us that it's not by works that we're saved, lest any man should boast. Paul's letter to Titus goes even a little bit further. It's not by works of righteousness. You can't earn it. You certainly don't deserve it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. It's a gift of God. Not by works of righteousness. It's not even the good things that we do that can cause God to love you any more than He already loves you in His beloved Son. That's the thing that the church needs to understand. Our perfect standing. Who we are in Christ is what matters. We stand in Him righteous. We stand in Him complete. We stand in Him perfect. That's the salvation that God offers. Not only you are you in Christ, you are sealed into the day of redemption. You are sealed in the body of Christ. God puts His stamp of ownership on you. You belong to Him. Not by works of righteousness, we've done but according to his mercy he saved us grace is unmerited favor that means receiving what you do not deserve receiving what you don't deserve you don't deserve salvation I don't deserve salvation I deserve condemnation. But because of God's grace, I stand justified in His presence. I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell. But because of God's grace, I'm going to heaven. I hope to see you there. I'm going to be there. And not because I'm up here preaching. Because I'm a sinner saved by grace. What a wonderful Savior we have. I don't deserve to be called a joint heir of Christ, an heir of God, a child of God. See, I know my sins. I know that God has every right to consider me an enemy. But what He provides is that invitation to know Him 
have that personal relationship with him through Christ Jesus. So grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving, not receiving what you deserve. So think of one coin, grace on one side, mercy on the other. Grace is, is receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. Right? For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. The wisdom of this world is so amazing. As men survey the earth and distant space. But there's a realm that's far beyond all measure. The fathomless expense of God's great grace. I hath not seen, nor have the depths of love been sounded. O oh, love divine, that raptured my poor soul. My sin was great, but God's great grace much more abounded. Folks, we will stand unmeasured while the ages roll. Not because of our works of righteousness, but because of His, Christ Jesus. A scripture that just blows my mind every time I read it. In Romans chapter 5, we're told where sin abounds, grace does what? Much more abound. Can you, can you get your mind around that? Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I went to college with a couple of guys. Uh, one in particular was a good friend, and he and I used to go round and round all the time because I don't know where he ever heard this. He doesn't believe it now. I mean, he got straightened out. Not by me, but just... When we were freshmen in college, we used to have these debates. And he was of the mindset, and evidently others were too, because Paul goes on to tell the church in Rome, uh, where he talked about when sin abounds, grace does much more abound. The next chapter 6, Paul says, should we then sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Well, I had a friend that believed, hey, what? You know, I, I really want grace to abound, so I'm going to go out and sin. It blows my mind that people would actually think about that. And I don't want to put any ideas in anybody's head. But God's Word says, God forbid. That's ridiculous. Because Romans 6 goes on to say, How can you that's dead to sin live any longer therein? That you, you need to remember you were dead in sin and your trespasses. But now because of who you are in Christ, you are dead to sin. Doesn't mean you're not going to go out there and slip and fall and make mistakes and do uh, horrendous things that you know are contrary to what God's will is. But because you identify with Christ, because you are in Christ, because He died, you died. Isn't that a marvelous plan? Talk about identification. We identify with His death, with His burial, with His resurrection, with His ascension. We're seated in the heavenlies right now because of who we are in Christ. 
Because of grace. Because of grace. Gary mentioned in his sermon just a few weeks ago that most people, and, I, and that just, I don't know, this had such an effect on me. I was sitting there listening to it, I confess, in my pajamas. In our, my lazy boy, Faye was in one chair, I was in another, and we were sitting there listening on vacation. And uh, it's much more fun to be here. Yeah, sipping coffee, it's much more fun to be here. But I was listening, and Gary talked about how so many people think of grace, even believers think of grace, as that thing that sort of gets our foot in the door of salvation. And that's all that grace is, is we get our foot in the door, and Gary, if I'm not paraphrasing you right or quoting you right, right straighten me out later. But that, that's the way it hit me, is people think, well, all grace is, is if we get our foot in the door, and okay, and, and then we squeeze, we squeeze in, and then once we're in, we really have to work hard in order to keep from getting kicked out. And that's not true at all. Far from it. It's because of God's grace that the door of salvation is open wide. It is flung wide open. It is inviting and that is our position in Christ. We are sealed there until the day of redemption, as we just mentioned. And it's all because of grace. And that's why Paul could write to the church in Corinth, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to get saved. Why? Because the hard work was done by Christ on Calvary's cross. Today's the day of salvation. Why people reject? Why they put it off? Why don't they trust Christ for that salvation? Get that all-important issue settled today during this present dispensation of the grace of God. It's how God's dealing with man today in grace through faith. And it's because of God's grace that causes him to recognize the work of Christ on Calvary. As God recognizes the work of Christ on Calvary and He appropriates it to your account. You stop and think about it, folks. We exchange... He, he became sin for us. He, we, turned, we put our sin over to Him. Over on Him. He puts His grace... He... he we get Him in exchange, His righteousness. We give Him our sin. He became sin for us even though He knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. What an exchange. And it's all because of God's grace. It's all because of His grace, His love, His mercy, His long-suffering. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how important that little preposition of is. It's not faith in, because when it talks about faith in, that's that kind of moves the attention to what man does. 
What this scripture wants you to do and see clearly, it is because of the faithfulness of Christ Jesus that we stand perfect in Him. It is His work, knowing that a man is not declared righteous by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit, making sure we don't get confused, it threw that aspect in there. You have to have faith in Christ to be saved. I understand that. But the only reason your faith has substance, has merit, has the ability to transform is because of the faithfulness of Christ to Calvary's cross. And it's so important that we understand that. That we might be declared righteous, justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Look at verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not in the Son of God. What keeps you saved is the faithfulness of Christ Jesus. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul says this, what he's teaching them there, he says this does not frustrate the grace of God. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Look at verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Now I know some translations say in. It shouldn't. I think it detracts from the complete and finished work of Christ. I think that translation is in such error. I think it takes the glory away from God Himself and puts it squarely on man where it shouldn't be. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely, being declared righteous freely, the word freely there literally means without cause. Without cause. Being justified freely without cause. You, doesn't, you don't deserve it. There is no reason that God should say, boy, they are sure cute. They are just so nice. I'm going to forgive them just because they're so nice. There's not a single person here or walking upright in this world today that deserves it. Being justified without cause by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's based on the merits of Christ's finished work that God can be so gracious, He can be so loving, and He can offer salvation by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. 
Look at Romans 5.1. See, we just read that we are justified by grace. Romans 5.1 says that we are justified by faith. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for that peace with God? Meaning you're no longer an enemy. That enmity has been set aside. By whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand. Oh, how important is grace. Is it just getting our foot in the door? I'm telling you, according to the Scripture, we, once we are in, we stand in God's grace. We are kept by God's grace. We are sealed by God's grace. We are, we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's through Him that we have access. Drop down to verse 9 of Romans 5. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Hallelujah. Now, the question that ought to pop into your mind, well, which is it? Romans 3 says we're justified by grace. Romans 5.1 says we're justified by faith. Romans 5.9 says we're justified by the blood. Which one is it? We're declared righteous by which one of those things? Grace, faith, or the blood? All of them is absolutely right. Matter of fact, when you look at this, we need to realize that grace is the source of that justification. Faith is the means of that justification. And the blood of Christ why, that's the basis of that justification. We have the source, we have the means, we have the basis that God can say, whosoever will, let him come. God's grace is marvelous, but it can only be extended based on Christ Jesus and his finished work, who loves you and gave himself for you. Saving grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. As that song said, he looked beyond my faults and he saw my need. And he met that need for salvation by the death of his son. Saved by grace, now what? Well, now we live by grace, folks. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 tells us that we are to be mimics of God. We are to be, Im the word, the uh, Followers of God. Be ye therefore followers. The word followers literally is uh, mimetes. It means to mimic. We, we are uh, imitators of God. Be ye therefore followers, imitators, mimics of God as dear children. And I believe that in, in, entails that we are to mimic God's attributes. Well, not His power. We can't. But many of the others, we're to try to love the way God loves. We're to try to forgive the way God forgives. We're to be gracious the way God is gracious. When somebody irritates you, and I dare say we all get irritated easily. I know I do. 
But what God calls on us to do is to be followers of Him. And if God is gracious, then Christian, we need to be gracious. We are, to be, we are saved by grace, and we are to walk in grace. That needs to be the prevailing attitude of every believer, where we are walking in grace. We are walking in graciousness. And I'm going to tell you something. Christians can be some of the most ungracious folks you ever run across. You know that? Unforgiving. Judgmental. Now, folks, I'm not talking about condoning sin. I, I'm, I'm not talking about, hey, we need to condone sin. Accepting lifestyles that are contrary to what the Scriptures teach. I'm not saying that. No, we take a stand. We stand on God's Word. But we do it in love. We do it in graciousness. Extending grace to those who are around us. Demonstrating not only God's love. And we hear people talk about you demonstrate God's love and, and you love like, the, like God loves. And, and we talk about agape love. And, and, but we need to talk about extending grace the way God extends grace. And being gracious. What an example. Yes, we take a, st a stand. But we're eager to forgive. We're anxious to forgive. We're eager to restore. You know, the church needs to be a place of restoration. Not destruction. Not condemnation. You're going to hear what God's Word says about sin, and we don't apologize for it. But the whole purpose of this present dispensation of grace is to offer salvation. And when a person by faith believes that Christ died for them, was buried and rose again, they become a new creation. And it's God that does the work in their life to do the convicting. I can't convict anybody. I can tell them what God's Word says. And you know what does the convicting? God's Word. It's not what I, I can't make any of you feel bad. I've tried and it just doesn't work. What works is God's, God's word. Graciousness needs to be a lifestyle, folks. Needs to be a lifestyle. I mean, in fact, kind of just point it out for us real quick. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Folks, this is the grace way. We are saved by grace. We live by grace. We walk by grace. Knowing that we're kept by grace. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Don't let any of that be named among you. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Saved by grace, we live by grace. 
the grace way. Being gracious. And I can tell you this. Without grace, I would be so undone. I know my sin. I know what I deserve. But grace. In closing, Tim's going